0: Welcome. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Business and Legal Week in Review. Today is June fifteenth, and I've got my trusty co-host with me, Bob Hughes. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? I was looking for the word steed after the trustee. <laughs> uh, Hi, host Silver. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, right.
1: Let's return now to those thrilling days of yesteryear.
0: Oh, those are the days. It's funny
1: because. It's it's it we have uh what is it, cozy TV here in our area and it runs the Lone Ranger at like seven o'clock in, in the morning every morning. The old ones, the classics.
0: Yeah, yeah. It... <laughs> Lone Ranger was awesome. How about F Troop? Remember F Troop? Yeah,
1: that's on uh Me T V.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: on, on, and every weekday
0: morning as well, yeah. I think I have to move to Michigan. I love F Troop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's all out there, man. It's all out there.
0: All right. Well, we got a, a, a good show planned for today. We've got a bunch of things that we're going to talk about. Uh, my favorite, of course, is the earthquake that's blamed on the nude new tourists. So that's that's really <laughs> exciting. Um, but uh, before we get going, I just want to make a couple announcements. First of all, I want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Audible. And for those of you who are living in a hole, Audible is the world's leading provider of audiobooks, on the internet, and you can get, you know, just about anything, um, a lot of the guests that we've had on the show, you can download their Audible book, it's great for me, because I don't have a lot of time to sit with a book in front of me, uh, so much easier to be driving, to be, you know, doing yard work in the shower, whatever it is, and listening to the books on audio, and uh, our, subscri- or our our listeners um, get a special promotion from Audible, and, and that's, you know, very exciting, because you get a free book a completely free download. You just go to audibletrial.com forward slash UTL radio to claim your free book. So thanks to Audible, as always, for sponsoring today's show. Uh, I also want to mention that tomorrow on uh, Business and Legal Q&A Live, we have a special show. We're going to be talking about student loan debt because one of the questions that we received was about student loan debt. and We've taken that question And we have brought on to the show tomorrow Leah Bell, who is the author of, and this is the greatest title ever, The Angry Grad. And she talks (laughs) in her book about student loans and, you know, whether or not uh, it's worth it, if there are alternate ways to make money, what kind of predicament you find yourself in when you have a student loan. And, you know, Bob, you have kids, and in the near future, how, many, how long do you have before they're in college?
1: Oh, that's a great question. At the rate they're going, no, um <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be probably the early, <laughs> the earliest to be uh she's going to the 6th grade, so uh it'll be so uh, like 7 years yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes.
0: I have a uh a kid going in 8th grade and you know, the high school years just seem to go by and you know, he wants to go to a to a Catholic high school, so you know that that's an expense. But this this college loan thing, let's just talk about this for one second because it's going to tie into tomorrow's show. In today's USA Today, there's an article in the money section, and it's uh, entitled "College Dropouts Struggling to Pay Back Loans." And uh, the first paragraph, I think it's great. When thinking about college debt, the big worry tends to be: Will a paycheck follow the college diploma? And will the job cover everyday bills? as well as monthly student loan payments, I'll tell you, from going to law school and incurring a ridiculous amount of student loan debt, I would definitely direct my kids away from the accumulation of so much debt. Because it, it's, you know, my student loan payment is like a mortgage and it's just like it hangs over your head. When I am on my deathbed, payments will still be being made. And it's a scary thought.
1: So it
0: uh you know and and, and sadly,
1: you know, it's very indicative. If you look at what the cost of to there's, there's there's two things that are really affecting that. One is the cost of tuition has quadrupled probably in the last twenty five years. Yeah, um, I, I don't know what you I when I I, went, I started at a community college and you're you're gonna laugh when you hear this number. I started school, it was thirty seven dollars a credit hour at a JUCO. Wow. <laughs> wow, it is now uh, it is now close to 125, which and that at just that school. But if you take some of the other institutions that I looked at around the area and in, in where my friends had gone, um, the four-year universities, it was um, maybe it been a hundred dollars an hour then. Now it's four hundred, five hundred dollars an hour. It, it's, it's insane. Yeah. It what is insane. And, and, and then coupled that with a with a job market where you're – where salaries certainly haven't quadrupled in the last twenty-five years, um, and so you're really in a bind. Go, I say, go GI Bill myself.
0: You know, I think that it's so frightening. I went to um, I went to a college in Pennsylvania um, because I was a javelin thrower, and I I had gotten a couple scholarships to go to different schools. You know, and, and I kind of regret going that first year to Pennsylvania. It was a Division II school. I probably would have been better off going to Rutgers because I had gotten in there. Um, but I went to this Pennsylvania school, and I incurred a, a, a moderate amount of student loan debt there, but then hated it because, and nothing against people from Pennsylvania because I do love Pennsylvania, <laughs> but the kids at this school, I swear to God, there were nights that they went out cow, really went cow-dipping. Like, really tipping cows. And I just, you know, I'm I'm from North Jersey where there's a mall every five steps. And here, the fun thing to do was cow tip. I, it was just, it blew my mind. Blew it. So I left. And I ended up going to William Patterson University in New Jersey, which was a uh, much cheaper school. And they had this really, really wonderful communications program. How I ended up being a lawyer, I still don't understand. But that's beside the point. But um, <laughs> you like school that much? Yeah, yeah, really. I, I, <laughs> something happened to my brain after college. <laughs> I'll
1: tell you know what.
0: I'll tell you what it was because it does have it does tie into what we're talking about. So I went to school. And got really, really involved. So I became the director of the radio station. I became the director of the television station, and I and then I was on the student council. Um, and I actually went to school for free because of all these activities that I did, which was great. So I left college with no student loan debt, um, and I thought, Wow, this is awesome. And then I tried to get a job, and I remember like. Begging professors to meet with me at a diner for breakfast to see if they could help me if they had contacts or anybody that they could get help me get a job because in the communications field you you know what it's like how difficult it is to go get oh, yeah. a job at a radio station or a television station and so I I didn't know what to do and then I thought well maybe I should be a teacher I I I didn't know. And so somehow I ended up going to law school and here we are today. But um, the point of that story is that even back then it was not easy to get a job and I had very little student debt. Now, of course, I went to law school. I still have student debt and I regret it. So for my kids, I keep telling them, you know, I think that a lot of people have this misconception about college and I, I think that what it really comes down to is, if you're going to go to Harvard or Yale, all right, maybe the name of the school will, will have some sort of influence over you getting a career in the future. But if you're not going to go to Harvard, then who cares? Because you get out of school what you put into it. And I know plenty mm-hmm. of people that didn't even go to college that are more successful than, you know, you and I combined. And they didn't go to school. <laughs> they just, you know... So that that whole idea it, it frightens me to say to my kids go out and incur twenty thirty forty a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt because what job are you going to get right out of school that's going to help you start making those payments and every sure. time you defer on a stupid student loan payment you know you think oh I'm deferring it's great I don't owe anything interest accumulates mm-hmm. and then you know your hundred thousand dollar debt becomes one hundred thirty thousand dollars.
1: It doesn't take long. And we're no. lucky we have our hours paid off. Um, but uh, it, it 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 took close to 10 years. And, and, you know, just one four-year degree and one two-year degree. It's it's just <laughs> insane. <laughs> insane. Yeah. well, That would be a good show. That would be a great show, especially if you have kids getting ready for college. Tune in for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that will be good tomorrow because we're going to talk about, um, you know, some of, of her other thoughts, which are great thoughts about passive income and uh, other ways to make money and whether or not the decision to spend that money to make that investment is for you. Other thing I wanted to talk about because um, it's summer and in summer, people travel, people drive, people drive down to the beach, out to vacation spots. And I found this statistic and I thought it was interesting And this is kind of aimed at tailgaters, people who who drive too close to the... That's not you, right, Bob? You give good distance, right? Uh,
1: You're you're, you're, you're breaking up, man.
0: (laughs) So it takes, on average, 24 seconds to stop your car while you are driving at a rate of 60 miles per hour. And that's uh, a stat from Progressive Insurance. So 24 seconds, if you're going 60 miles an hour, for you to stop your car, bring it to a complete stop. So think about that the next time you're up somebody's butt when you're driving in the road because one legal facet to tailgating is that there is a presumption of liability on the tailgater. So if you're the guy who's traveling too close to the car in front of you and can't stop in time and you rear-end that car, There's a presumption that you're 100% negligent, that you are 100% liable. So be careful because the next thing you know, you know, you're not paying attention. You're driving too close. You think you have enough time to stop. But think about that stat, 24 seconds if you're going 60. And, you know, on some of the roads, like if you're going down the 95 corridor down towards, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, the speed limit is 70. So imagine – you never drive the speed limit you're going 75 or 80 how mm-hmm. much time is it going to take you to slam on your brakes and come to a complete stop so you know, i thought that was an interesting tidbit don't be stupid tailgating you know have you seen like like these kids that get a hot car and they're just passing and weaving and then they're so close to you doesn't that infuriate you oh absolutely you know, because and I think nothing. back to when I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll never, that, <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I had dropped a date off at, and I, I hate telling this story, but it's kind of funny. Um, I dropped a date off at, at her house, and I thought it was cool, right? I had my, my parents had this old boxy Volvo. And so, you know, in my state of coolness, <laughs> I tried to pick up a out. Volvo. Yeah, in a Volvo, right, exactly. <laughs> I tried to peel out so that you'd hear the, the tires screech, right? And I was like, oh, so cool. And as I came around the corner, I hit a parked car. <laughs> I, <immediately laughs> just, I just smacked this parked car, right? And then instead, I of, that. <laughs> instead of staying there, I got so panicked. I mean, I was 17 <laughs> years old. So I drove down the street. Maybe I went 500 feet, and I, I didn't have a cell phone at the time, right? So I parked the car, and I'm looking for a pay phone. Within 15 minutes, the police are there, and it was reported as a hit and run. It was, you know, a whole thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) My parents rang. Yeah, yeah. So I had to explain the whole thing. You know, and the whole time I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, I hope that girl doesn't come out of her house and look around the corner, because that'll be the (laughs) last time she'll ever go out with me. So, yeah, we're all that. At school. least
1: maybe maybe she can come visit me on weekends when I have furlough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, as an yeah, adult. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's easy to do, you know.
0: That's for sure. Yeah. As an adult, though, when I've got kids in the car, you know, when I'm driving down the highway, you know, in, the, in minding my own business, and you've got these these kids that it's like, you know, they think they're in Fast and the Furious, and they're weaving in and out. It's like, you know, where's your common sense? And then you think about statistics like Progressive put out, and it's like, wow, you know, you're going to hurt somebody before you hurt yourself for sure, you know. But you could get killed too. Sure, sure. No, all all reasons why I take back roads. Yeah,
1: I'm get a far away yeah. from far away from traffic. I figure that there's fewer people that can cause me to wreck.
0: Because Lord it's knows true. it won't be my fault. No, not at all. <laughs> Never your fault. If your wife is driving, though, that's a different uh, story.
1: <laughs> she asked me why she wasn't on the insurance for the RV. <laughs> oh, no, the power is very well. <laughs> and then twice as we're, as we're taking it on its maiden voyage, she parked, she's driving in front of me and she parks in the way. I'm like, honey, I can't just turn this like a car. I have to go through the intersection and swing so that the back wheels make it through the trees. So now you understand why you ne- you are not on the insurance. <laughs> you don't understand understand the time space continuum of driving an RV. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, but it's, it's 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 their inability to judge di- dimensions. Sometimes that makes us all happy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> and measurements.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. You know, before we get into the first Bill. story, I just want to just want to add this last thing. You no, know, the um the Supreme Court is wrapping up its 2014 term this month. And you know, we've seen, we've heard about Obamacare and uh, you know same-sex marriage. That's been the big thing. But there's one case that I think is interesting. It's it's semi-humorous, but it's also interesting. And um it's the case filed by a Texas man who requested you know how you can get those customized plates, license plates, and you know, you can put like in New Jersey you can put like a lighthouse on it or seashells or something. Oh
1: sure. Oh yeah yeah yeah.
0: Right and the vets yeah the vets have those plates and you get the little medallion on it, whatever. And it's a a revenue generator for the state because they charge you for those custom plates. Yeah. Well there's a man in Texas who wanted to get a license plate that had the Sons of Confederate Veterans flag on it, which is, you know, the Confederate flag. And then below the the number on the tag, it says Sons of Confederate Veterans. So that's interesting. And what's, what's going on is that the state of Texas had said, no, we're not going to do that. And he filed this freedom of speech case, and now the Supreme Court is looking at it to decide whether or not The state has the right to suppress its own speech or whether or not they can allow private speech by motorists. So I think that's an interesting case because if I want to fly a Confederate flag at my house, I should be able to do that under a freedom of speech, freedom of expression. And now I want to have a tag on my car that's issued by the state. So that's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to come down that because it is a state issued plate, you don't have that that particular freedom of expression um because it's the state but I don't know i don't know what do you think about that one
1: well and that's that kind of is 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 just one facet of when you when you start arguing what you can and can't do with state funds or state supported um i don't know to call it uh, memorabilia or propaganda or whatever or I guess symbolism.
0: Because right. when you
1: start to get into what, what this what, what a state will allow its money to be spent on and what is deemed discriminatory or inf or infamatory. Uh, Michigan just recently passed um the they they call it the Children's Protection Act or something in name like that, but it basically says that same-sex couples are, are can't necessarily adopt because the agencies that are running the adoptions are Christian-based, and so the the, the Christian-based they say now have the right to discriminate against same-sex couples. Yet they accept state funds to manage the adoption process, right. and right. so that's a really big thing. But now you've got you've got you know once state funds are involved and once. That's I, I, at what degree does that that freedom of speech become? Hey, you know, eh, you can do what you want as a person, but once you involve the government, there has yeah. to be some form of regulatory consideration. Yeah, definitely. and then then that opens up a whole new ball of wax as to who determines what's within the regulation.
0: Yeah, and then on on top of that, you've got that whole you know separation of church and state. You know, we, we take state funds, yes, but it's also a religious organization. And, um, sure. you know, I, those those dis- debates always seem to go haywire. You know, there's really no way of, of pointing um, the direction that you think it's going to go because you see a lot of private schools that accept state funding in grants for books and that sort of thing, yet they're allowed to do certain things, and then you hear a story like what you're talking about. And um, so that, that's that's... That's
1: interesting. Definitely interesting. And, and, and you know and that's where that line is drawn, you know, if it were private organizations that were only using private funds, I am 100% okay with them running their business how they want to run it. Right. But once you accept state funds, you now have to basic I I believe and it seems to make sense to me, you can no longer you're no longer private you no longer have a, a, a leg to stand on when it comes to who you feel is fit and who is not fit to do certain things. You do what the state tells you to do.
0: Right, and you know, where's the, you know, where's the state? the state
1: deal with what's right or wrong.
0: Where's the state getting the money from but from us? Exactly. The taxpayers. Exactly. And exactly. If, we're, if we live in a state where you have a whole different you know, array of people, beliefs, um, cultures, religions, and everybody's paying taxes into the state. Then doesn't the state have to give to everybody when they're going to be rolling sure out so. state funds? Yeah, right, right. You know, uh, one more thing that I thought was really interesting that I saw today: um, drones. Everybody seems to have a drone. You know, you you go. I have to, one. Do you? Yeah, do I a little right, yeah
1: cool. I have a quadcopter. they're cool. Great fun.
0: <laughs> you, go, you go to Brookstone, they've got them. You go to Best Buy, they've got them. Um, you know, they, a lot of the, the camera stores, they have them because you can take really super cool aerial photos. Oh, yeah. There, there's a wedding photographer I know that uses the um, the, the um, drone to take pictures overhead of some of the ceremonies and during the photo. It's really kind of cool. And I know some home inspectors that have them to... And go up over a, a really large house to look at the roof, and so they can inspect the roof without having to go up there. You know, and that's great mm-hmm. for people like me who are afraid of heights. But there's <laughs> all this. uh Oh, definitely afraid of heights. But there's all this 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 um, uh, conversation now about privacy rights and uh, the, the drones. And so, just today on Good Morning America, there was a segment. About some guy who was out in the street, and there was a drone flying next to him, and he approached the drone, walked up to it, and punched it out of the air. And uh, the commentator on on the show was saying that you know he could be um, negligent and and have to pay for that drone, or whatever. But what what's interesting is that there's only a handful of states right now that have these privacy laws for drones. But you know, in this year 2015 into 16. I guarantee we're going to see a ton more regulations and laws about what you can and can't do with a drone and, you know, where you can fly it, you know, was the intent of your flight of that drone to invade somebody's privacy. But that just opens up a whole new slew of cases, you know, and, and it's interesting to see this from a legal perspective because, you know, you always wonder how do these laws come to be? Well, like this. So somebody invents new technology that new technology has the possibility of invading somebody's privacy. People complain, nobody knows what to do because there are no laws and now legislature uh, the legislative branch starts to enact laws, including the, the, um, the FAA because they're sure. getting, getting involved for, for you know it, it, is it you know a certain distance from the ground? is it a, a hazard to airlines or air flights? So that's this is like the beginning of this law, how it's going to develop. But um, I'd be careful where you fly your drone over the next year because I think that pretty soon we're going to be restricted where we can fly drones.
1: This is going to shape legislation for jets and vehicles. Yeah, (laughs) I think flying cars. I mean, you have what they're going to do is they're probably going to look at okay, you can fly drones between this altitude and this altitude, so far from airports um, right? just because of you once you get above a certain or or farms we have crop dusters out here um you can bet your bottom dollar one of those guys fly definitely low enough to uh <laughs> come in contact with it with a with a small drone um right. and so 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 you've really got to consider that as well and i mean there is bad enough out here these guys are, are dodging windmills every quarter mile so um yeah now you get into the jetsons area you start flying cars they got to figure that out now it's it's, it's a good try right. case <laughs> right when when
0: you know, doc Brown conceived the flying Delorean. I don't think he was taking right. into consideration that that whole situation
1: No, no. there there was no restrictions there was no regulation no. You've got to build it now <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> oh no it's it's a it's a bold new world
1: yeah if you have yep. if you, you said you do have a drone peter.
0: You know, I, I bought one for my kids to play around with, and um, yeah. within a month that thing, you know, hit the ground hard and burned. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't have to worry oh, about yeah. it. But but you know, there's there's a good um, good usage for them, and they're they're fun. They're fun to fly. I mean, it's like a remote control car on steroids. So they're cool. Yeah, yeah. But now you know you've got to worry about well, is your drone flying too high where it can see into your neighbor's backyard while your neighbor's sunbathing, and is that an invasion of privacy, and what's the intent? And, you know, here we go. I mean, it's just going to be a whole big to-do about this. And sure, sure, if I was bathing topless in the backyard, I wouldn't want a drone flying overhead either. Uh, the drone operator would probably be very nauseous, but that's that's beside the point.
1: Yeah, so, I'm wondering who is invading your, your privacy and why. <laughs> trade.
0: but you know i i guess i'd be concerned too especially with my kids in the backyard but sure. um so we'll see we'll see what kind of in, of, of laws are enacted i think you're going to see some state uh criminal laws i think you're going to see some state civil laws it's going to be interesting
1: yeah, yeah it will be fun to watch that's for sure All
0: right. well the, i'm going to stop
1: the people that keep an eye on Supreme court. that's okay
0: yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna stop droning on and I'm going to let you go Drill. with That's your right. stories the
1: <laughs> rimshot we need we need a soundboard
0: uh, yes yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, so you know a <laughs> short of some of the uh, some of the stories we we brought uh, uh, um in originally and kind of pulled back to somewhere that, that, that if you take a look at what the situation is how it affects you directly um here's one a dole food may skate in southern carolina or excuse me southern california pollution case los angeles court new house news telling us a judge tentatively ruling wednesday that Dole food you know these guys they make pineapple uh not, <laughs> they make it it's not liable <laughs> for actions of a developer that built a neighborhood on land contaminated by petroleum waste now you're wondering what they're making pineapples from Residents of the carousel neighborhood of Carson City sued shell oil and real estate developer Barclay Hollander in 2009 with support from environmental activist Erin Brockovich. Maybe you've heard of her. Barclay is owned by the multinational Dole Food Company. The oil giant and developer knew that hundreds of homes would be built above three underground tanks when it transferred part of the site to the developer in the 1960s, the residents claim. Six years ago, they learned that oil and carcinogenic chemicals had leaked into the soil under a residential area. That almost 1,500 people call home, the residents entered into a $90 million settlement agreement with Shell this year. Shell also agreed to participate in a $146 million cleanup. On Wednesday, Superior Court Judge William Heiberger issued a tentative order that granted an in full Dole Foods motion for summary judgment. Heiberger said during an afternoon hearing that he was not certain he would make the seven-page order final, giving attorneys on both sides an opportunity to make a case. But in his order, Heiberger rejected residents' arguments, that there would not be enough assets to award them judgment if Barclay were the only business liable for the pollution. Now, simply put, the, the fact that a corporation eventually winds its business down, as in this case, or experiences a long streak of money losing years, sapping its ability to pay tort damages, does not mean its share- shareholders of such entities are liable to make up a difference. Heiberger wrote, the president's attorney said the defendants developed the property knowingly that people were going to be harmed and that it would be an injustice to rule in Dole's favor. So doles out of it, but the bigger thing is, is, is you know, as and the reason I wanted to focus on this particular article is that's something that happened fifty years ago. Yeah. What's happening? What's happening now? What's the big thing right now, Peter? That people are complaining. about? I hope you get this right.
0: Uh, in in what context?
1: In 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 soil pollution. In, in soil in pollution.
0: Life. I don't know. Come on,
1: fracking. Everyone's freaking out over fracking. You're like my alliteration there, I, I do uh, like Oklahoma. That. <laughs> thank you, uh, Oklahoma. They, you know, all sorts of problems with with earthquakes. They frack here in Michigan. They frack in a lot of states. Um, so it's some frickin' fracking. Um, but so, what's going to happen down the line? People, you know, all you hear from the oil and gas companies that oh, this is perfectly safe. What we're doing is just is filling crevices down there. They're safe. What's going to happen in fifty years? And what can you do now or what can people do now, Peter, I'm asking you to try to set themselves up for later. And I mean, I hate to be a a doomsayer because I don't really agree with fracking. I don't agree with altering mother nature because she will take it back. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Just
1: ask the people, just ask the people in Dubai try to build islands out in the middle of the Gulf. Um, If it's not supposed to be there, mother nature will make sure it's not there. And so what can you do now if you're in a situation that you're worried about this, to set yourself up later and say, hey, you know what? I told
0: you so. Is there anything you can do? You know, I I don't think so, really. I think that if you look at all of these cases involving contamination, they all take place after the fact. Um, Uh Woburn, Massachusetts, right? That was the, I believe, the subject matter for the film and book, A Civil Action. Um, And that's a true story. Woburn was with the uh what was the name of the company? I'll have to look it up. I'm um, looking it up. <laughs> maybe Beech or it, I believe it was it was one of these um very large companies that was polluting, contaminating the soil, and there were cancer clusters found. In Toms River, New Jersey, there's cancer clusters. And um I I think the lawyer's name is Jan Schlickman, and um he is the one that handled the Woburn case. And, and if, if those you know, those people saw that film, I think that, that John Travolta, might, is that right? John Travolta
1: played? You're, 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 two for, you're two for three right now. It's Beatrice Foods.
0: That's right. Beatrice Foods. And um, <clears throat> you know, that, again, was after the fact. And you, you made reference to Julia Roberts. Well, not to Julia Roberts, but about the character that not Julia you know. Roberts played. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> that too was after the fact so i don't know that there's a tremendous amount that you can do now because it's almost as if you know your claims not right um nothing's mm-hmm. happened you have no damages sure you could try to file some injunctive relief but i think that if you all right you don't want to talk about fracking for a second i think that um while there's a ton of of content about the dangers of it I don't think that there's enough proven to say, "Wow, this is sure. a bad thing. We shouldn't do it." And and you know, fracking. Sure. Just for for those of you who don't know, um, it's the process of of drilling down into the earth and injecting a high pressure mixture of water and other stuff chemicals. You know, you're yeah, injecting water. Chemicals water water, 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 yep.
1: water sanding chemicals. Yep.
0: Yep, and um and and. You know you're right you're going to inject chemicals into the Earth, and what's Mother Nature going to do with that at some point um, you know but give it back to you in a very bad way so I don't know mm-hmm. that there's anything you can do until this is studied more. I think that lobbying and and you know trying to get somebody on your side from um you know a legislative standpoint is probably the only way to go, but you know you keep disturbing the earth it's not meant to have us injecting chemicals into it you know it's one thing if you're going to treat topsoil with some fertilizer but it's another thing to actually dig down i don't know how far down in fracking you go but you go pretty far if i'm not mistaken you know and and now you're in layers of the earth you shouldn't be
1: And, and that's the thing is, like you said, nobody knows, but they're pursuing the fact based on, well, we expect this to happen. And, eh, right. you, you, and that's that's been kind of the modus operandi throughout the Industrial Revolutionary history <laughs> of this country. And it's like, yeah. well, this is what we think. And, of course, yeah, 50 years later, we were wrong.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? Oh, you, I, you want to know what yeah. to do, here, here's a really cool site. It's got a very cool um, look to it. It's called the dangersoffracking.com. What goes oh, in and out of hydraulic fracturing, um, and then you, you scroll down, right, and you follow this tanker truck all the way down to the uh, the site. And the water brought in is mixed with sand and chemicals to create fracking fluid. Forty thousand gallons of chemicals are used per fracking. Then you get the fracking fluid. Up to 600 chemicals are used in the fracking fluid, including known carcinogens and toxins such as lead, uranium, mercury, ethylene, glycol, formaldehyde, hydrochloric acid, methanol, and radium. That's great. And then you travel, you find this little chemical that travels down into the earth. Oh, this is an awesome site. And then they. This is a
1: very cool site, yeah. <laughs>
0: So 500. 1,000 active gas wells in the U.S., 8 million gallons of water per fracking, 18 times a well can be fracked, and it goes on and on with the math, and you follow this drop of chemicals down, down, down deeper, and then it talks about gravity taking it down further, and then you ultimately have contamination. Methane gas and toxic chemicals leach out from the system and contaminate nearby groundwater, which is great. Uh, which is why I drink Poland Springs. And then methane <laughs> concentrations are 17 times higher in drinking water wells near fracking sites than in normal wells. So that's scary. Um, there have been over 1,000 documented cases of water contamination next to areas of gas drilling, as well as cases of sensory, respiratory, and neurological damage due to ingested contaminated water. So this is scary, but you you posed the question, what can you do about it? Well, if you go all the way down to the bottom of this page, it says here, help support the Fract Act, the Fracturing Responsibility and Awareness of Chemicals Act. So I mentioned legislative, well, here it is, uh, which would require the energy industry to disclose all chemicals used in fracturing fluid as well as a repeal fracking exemption from the Safe Drinking Water Act. And they urge you to contact your local officials and you can support this organization. So there you go. That's, that's the answer to that question.
1: And I'm certainly going to go to the guys that decided to exempt them from the safe drinking water act.
0: Yeah. That's that's probably a good idea. (laughs) Wow. (laughs)
1: And and again, I don't know what's true and what's not here. I expect that, you know, it's on the internet, so it's gotta be true. Um, but (laughs) there, <laughs> there's, there's obviously studies, that, and and the same thing comes with wind. People are concerned about wind where where we live, and and so there's always, there's always something that's going to happen from industry that's going to possibly put you at risk later in life. Yeah, and the question is what can, what can you do now, and and that's the yeah get try to stay involved and stay educated and and document as much as you can, I suppose, and then whether or not they'll They'll of course throw all your documentation out at a later time in a court day because you're not certified. Document, you have no no chain of custody with your with your evidence and research. Um shoot holes in it. But that's that's an interesting website. I'm going to uh, research that a little well, little 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 further. And and here's something funny about Poland Springs. Poland Springs comes in what color bottle, Peter? A uh, clear. Oh, it's clear now. It used to be green. Now it's clear. That? Yeah, it used to be green. I don't no. know if I caused this, but, but I once <laughs> called them and asked them because they were the only, this was before the days of the internet, so I couldn't email them. This, they were the only water on the market that was in a green bottle. And so I called them and said, what are you hiding? <laughs> Why yeah, isn't it a clear bottle? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> and then that, that, that I thought. Yeah, I, I will try to find you a picture of a Poland Springs bottle <laughs> in, green, in a green bottle.
0: <laughs> I have, I see
1: it. I I found one. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, it's crazy. There you go. Well, Poland Springs comes to me straight from Maine. They they, they dip yeah. the don't they dip the clear water bottles right into that stream and package it up and send it to me? Or am I dreaming?
1: <laughs> Not since the child labor laws have been changed. <laughs> You know <laughs> children it, as we know are all much closer to the ground and get under easy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's really disturbing though about the drinking water because um I was actually involved in some cases in involving dry cleaners where the dry cleaners and you it's not contamination of the level that we're we're looking at in that movie of civil action, but you would have a dry cleaner that would have these chemicals that would dump them out in the back. And they this one particular case happened to be where uh, the dry cleaner was, was on a hill, and so they'd go out in the backyard and they would dump their chemicals, which would seep into the ground, and then because there was a decline or a slope, the chemicals would travel down and ultimately find them, themselves uh, a way to get into the groundwater and then contaminate. And it was it was hmm. contained to a small area, and it wasn't a cancer cluster or anything like that. But that's how easy it is to contaminate. Now, imagine what this is doing. So it's scary because when a town says to me, you know, we have um, we've got clean drinking water, I say, no, you don't. And, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not a big tap water drinker. I would rather spend the money to Mm -hmm. get bottled water, even though I know it's probably just purified water anyway. But
1: (laughs) from your neighbor's house, just put in a bottle. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, this also this contamination idea. Yeah. There was a story that I put out on Twitter last week about um the FDA finding again because this has been something that's gone on in the past, that chemical compound levels in Coca-Cola Diet Coke. Oh, sure. Are are are, are you know carcinogenic. And that's, you know, I think I don't know, are you a Diet Coke drinker? I am not. Okay. Drink I, Nice. I do drink Diet Coke and I'll I'll tell you, when there's a, a a stretch of time where I'm drinking a lot of Diet Coke, a lot, I definitely don't feel as good as when I'm not. And so not that, that you know, that's the whole idea of the carcinogenic the chemical compounds, but I don't know. There's something with Diet Coke that's just not good for you. I drink it, but it's just <laughs> Yeah, it's something
1: friendly. else. It could, could it be the vast amounts of sugar, the the chemical coloring. Could it be? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's something in there outside of the water that's not good for me. <laughs> yeah, there's something. But in it, there it, it right. gets like a drug. It gets like a drug, and you got to have it. Yeah. Um, it. But yeah, anyway, there's not much you can do. with Yeah, like say, in, in wrapping that up, contact your congressman. Try to make sure that you're. I would think at least on record as bringing it up. Somewhere.
0: I think if if enough people look, I mean, it's got to be in areas where fracking is being done. I mean, North Jersey doesn't have any, so you're not going to have no. that sort of lobbyist group. But in areas where there there are the, the wells, then that's where these people. I think if you if I lived in an area that was close to a well, I would definitely want to do something. And I think that um, that that site that I gave you was really a great site. It's certainly I, something that I think I'm going to look into a little bit more.
1: And if you, if you look for where is fracking in your state, there is usually a resource online that will show you where the fracking wells are via, via map or whatever. So right. you, there there are ways to find out. So if if you don't know, cause I guarantee they're not going to come and knock on your door and tell you if they don't have to yeah. um, a high school worker fired after telling students to film the police. Sacramento, California, school district has fired a longtime campus supervisor for encouraging students to film police as they brutalized a black student during a fight on campus, the woman claims in court. Shanetta Tony claims that she was fired for engaging in protected speech when Lodi Unified School District administrators reprimanded her and fired her for telling students to film police brutality. She sued the school district and a fellow supervisor in San Joaquin County Court on Tuesday, alleging a history of racial discrimination and harassment. She sued the high school principal and personnel director in federal court on Monday. Both lawsuits mentioned an April 24, 2014, fight at Bear Creek High School. When Stockton police were called for the fight between students and non-students, Tony says she saw three police officers from Stockton brutalize a black student who weighed no more than 100 pounds. They violently smashed her face into the pavement, wrapped her hands around her neck, and yelled at her to be quiet. While another officer had her pinned to the ground with his knee in her back, trying to handcuff her. Sound familiar? Tony says in the Superior Court complaint. In McKinney, Texas, maybe. Um, in both lawsuits, she says that students were horrified by what she, they saw by the police. Says that she reacted by saying, "Where is the justice in this?" Excuse me. This is police brutality. Pull out your cell phones and record this, my minions. This is the protected speech for which she was fired, Tony says. She claims the personnel director told her so. Her attorney told Courthouse News that you don't get to take adverse reactions against a public employee because they engaged in protected speech. In addition to her constitutional protections, Rump said, their lawyer, it's legal to film police officers in California in many situations. Although Stockton Police Department is not a defendant in either lawsuit, Rump criticized them for calling the school district and falsely accusing Tony of wrongdoing. They were false allegations that she took a student away from the police's custody. Her attorney said, San Joaquin District Attorney's Office criminally charged Tony with interfering with a police officer, but then dropped the charges, according to the Superior Court complaint. Bear Creek High School Principal Bill Atterbury told CNS he cannot discuss Tony's lawsuits. Um, and this is, and, and not just this particular situation, but filming police is one thing. But it, you know, we've talked in the past about what you can and can't say. And you know this is a little bit different.
0: This is a heated
1: situation, um, and she's paying for it. Yeah. Is she protected?
0: I I think that this woman might actually have a decent um, a decent claim here because first of all, yeah, we've talked about it before, and and there's even a video up on our YouTube channel that explains it. With recent case law, you are entitled to film the police during a police stop, during other activity, um, as long as you don't interfere. And you and I had the conversation where we talked about, um, well, if you do that, you have to understand that you could be arrested and you you have rights, but you know, understand that just because it's legal, it's appropriate for you to, to, to film, doesn't mean that the police officers are going to view it that way and they could still arrest you. And that's what happened here. And at least in the criminal charges, they charged her and then realized, oh, crap, we can't. So we just let it go. Um, and, And we had that conversation where how important is it for you to film what's going on? Because there's a likelihood that you're going to get yourself into trouble. Here, you've got that facet of it. And then she, as a state employee, a public employee, says this is wrong. Film it. Um, so did she do anything wrong? If you just look at what she said, that that she has the right to exercise freedom of speech. She didn't say anything. Go ahead.
1: No, that's if she said this is police brutality versus saying, is this police brutality? Right. Is that something they can stand on? Is she making a false accusation?
0: I think it's opinion. And I think that opinion's okay. protected. If I think okay. you're being rough with me or, or with somebody else, I I can have the opinion that this is police brutality. So I think that it's 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 interesting this case because the police aren't involved. Her her observation was this is police brutality. My opinion. That's protected. And you know, we've talked about that idea of, of freedom of speech when you're with a private employer so I say right. something online about something uh, I let's say I work for Diet Coke and I go home at night and I say diet soda and I don't say coke but diet soda gives you cancer and I go to work the next day can coke fire me sure they can but wait a minute that was my opinion that was my freedom of speech and they say yeah but we don't want somebody who believes that, diet, uh, that coke diet coke or diet soda causes cancer working for coke so you can get fired there but here this is a public school employee and did she say anything bad about the school no but you know will she get her job back doubtful because i'm sure you're going to have a ton of parents who say what kind of teacher encourages other kids to film uh you know but she, I, I think the this will be a case. <laughs> yeah, I think she'll settle this out. I think that she's going to get some money. Um, I think it'll settle. Here,
1: here here's here's and, and something I took from this is something you made sense to. You know, as far as you know, you're, you're you're probably if you want to film it, that's fine. The ACLU, ACLU in Michigan has released an app to allow you to do it, um, and, and with with specific instructions on how not to get shot while doing it. Um, but what you said, you know, the officer may not like it. Here's Bob's non-legally proven tip of the day to get out of a ticket. When you get pulled over, simply tell the officer, "I just want to let you know I'm not filming this because I trust you."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: he'll he'll have nothing he'll have nothing to come back at except for have a nice day. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I'm sorry I stopped you,
0: carry on. <laughs> wait, wait. oh there you go
1: i'm not saying it'll happen it might happen i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna try it i'm not filming you i have no firearms in the car (laughs) (laughs) oh anyway (laughs) here's here's something you can actually learn about a class action suit is accusing the university of phoenix of deceit they're not they've got a couple of little Problems going on right now at the University of Phoenix. Two former employees claiming a lawsuit that the University of Phoenix has made recruiters lie to prospective students about credits, attend military job fairs to recruit secretly, and work without overtime pay. Marlena Aldrich and Christian, or Chris, excuse me, Kristen Nolan filed a class action against the University of Phoenix in Jefferson County, Kentucky, court. On Tuesday, they sued for wrongful termination in state labor law violations. And here's what's in relevance to you john q public aldrich and nolan were military liaisons for the university's louisville kentucky campus according to the lawsuit they claim they were asked to make substantial misrepresentations to meet recruiting goals and were fired when they did not meet their goals aldrich and nolan say also say that the university of phoenix required recruiters to engage in a sales technique called poking the pain which involves playing to a potential student's insecurities about career and financial concerns and apparently student loan debt. Uh, The complaint states, in fact, gainful employment statistics reflect that a UP degree likely will have little or no impact, indeed perhaps a negative impact on a student's employability. The class action also alleges that recruiters were required to gain access to military bases er, serotypically. Serotypically. Yeah, you say it. (laughs) Serotypically. Jeez, oh, man. (laughs) Thank you. Ticiously. Sometimes it's tough. Through, <laughs> through job fairs by claiming to have job openings for soldiers and veterans when they were really there just to recruit students. One such job fair was held by the Hiring Our Heroes organization, and another was sponsored by Wounded Warriors, according to the complaint. In spite of its express agreement that UP would not utilize its participation in the job fair to recruit students, it required its liaisons, such as the plaintiffs, to do just that. Plaintiffs were required to conduct these recruitment activities stealthily, because it's military, you've got to be stealthy, because if caught, they risked removal from the base, the lawsuit states. Effectively, liaisons such as plaintiffs were required to participate in these unlawful schemes, inclusive of schemes that rise to the level of criminal trespass to meet recruitment goals or face termination. Aldrich and Nolan further claimed that they worked more than 40 hours per week, but were not paid overtime wages in violation of Kentucky law. Their hours were not recorded and they were not paid all wages due, the lawsuit states. Mark Brenner, Senior Vice President of External Affairs at Apollo Education Group Incorporated, the university's parent company, called Aldridge and Nolan's allegations fictitious and baseless. University of Phoenix intends to vigorously defend itself against the fictitious allegations of these former employees. Brenner said in a statement provided to Courthouse News, their false accusations and baseless legal claims will not distract us from delivering a high-quality, career-relevant education for working adults, including all those who have so admirably served our country country in the military. The lawsuit claims that the University of Phoenix is the largest for-profit college. SEC filings from last year show the university is facing investigations from attorney generals in Florida and Massachusetts as well. Now, Aldrich Nolan and the class, punitive damages past due wages, including overtime pay, civil penalties, and class certification. The proposed class includes Kentucky employees of the University of Phoenix that currently work there or have worked there within the last five years. Um, one is, I guess you have to, you know, we go through this class situation. This is a little bit different. You're talking about a very small class when yes. you're talking about just employees. This isn't a Walmart.
0: Right, exactly. Well, you know, this is, as you were talking, I was looking up the University of Phoenix because you've seen the commercials with the guy with the red socks and all that stuff, right? But, you know, this place is massive. It says the University of Phoenix has nearly 100 campuses and learning centers, as well as online. I'm in Jersey, so here's one in Jersey that I could go to. I mean, this Mm -hmm. is massive, this place.
1: Very popular with master's degrees in the working world.
0: Yeah, because you People can do it online.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yep. Or you go one night a week or whatever. You know, it's like it's like the National Guard one week in a month, two weeks a year. Um, but they don't tell you how bad it really is. Um, the yeah, University of Phoenix is, is huge. Well, yeah. they're, they're the nation's largest for-profit college. Yep. So that that's that something. <laughs> yeah. nobody else has that kind of uh coverage across the country. Um but now is with the cl- now the class of the proposed class includes Kentucky employees. Could this ex- could this extend outside of Kentucky or will different states labor laws kind of trump that?
0: see that's where it's tricky because um and that that's a really good question. I've been involved in class actions and the consumer fraud realm where one state's class action laws or not class action, but consumer fraud, consumer protection laws are different. So there was a case involving Massachusetts and New Jersey residents, and they all wanted to have this this national class action. But it became challenging because the laws for consumer protection were so vastly different in the two states for this, this one incident that we were suing for. And so we confined it to become a Massachusetts state class action only. So that could be what happens here. But what's really interesting about this is, all right, if you don't pay somebody overtime, then you have violated the labor laws and you are going to be fined and penalized. So if is found that the university of Phoenix, um, exercised a regimen of non-payment then these people Mm -hmm. could have damages. Where I don't know that this is going to become a a certified class hinges upon the fact that first of all how many people? Second of all are they all in the same situation? Just remember we've talked about the class action rules. I'm going to just go over rule 23 which is a federal rule And most of the states have adopted it in order to have a class certified you need to be able to show numerosity that the class is so numerous that joinder of all members is impractical you need to show Mm -hmm. that the questions of law or fact are common all right so let's look at those two numerosity well let's let's assume that there's 25 people yes that's a lot of people so you might meet that how about questions of law and fact well the general question of did you you know not pay me overtime might be there but each person's going to have their own individual set of facts well i worked later you know and didn't get uh, paid i took my lunch break and didn't get paid and I, so there's there's going to be a variety of different facts that might take this outside the realm of certification then number 3 the claims and defenses of the representative parties are typical of the claims and defenses of the other class members, so there's typicality, and the representative parties will fairly and adequately protect the interests of the class. So, in order to have a viable class action, you need to show numerosity, common questions of fact and law, you need to show uh, typicality, where all the claims are typical, and then adequacy of representation. So, you could make an argument, which is what the plaintiffs will do here, that numerosity and, um, you know, adequacy of counsel clearly easily met. And then they're going to go forward and they're going to say, but there's also common questions of law and fact. And there's, um, you know, um, there's, there's um, the same defense, the same claims that we're all going to raise. And I've, sure. seen, I've seen courts look at this and say, well, listen. They're they're remotely common. They all deal with the same theme, but every individual class member has a different story. It's not like everybody who buys product A, and the warranty was not honored. Everybody's in the same boat. That's what a class action is about. Everybody who bought a, a prescription medication and now has a disease for from it. Oh, okay, sure, okay. Different. Okay. This is a different thing. So. I don't know that this is going to be certified as a class, but clearly if they're owed back wages, University of Phoenix will be on the hook for that. But you know what it comes down to is deep, deep pockets. Who? What, what attorney out there, yeah. the plaintiff's attorney, is going to turn away from the University of Phoenix because, wow, we're doing <laughs> something. Yeah, so. exactly.
1: Yeah, this, this probably won't even make it that far. Hey, eh? you think this will settle out?
0: I think it will settle before it's certified. Yeah, there you go.
1: I think I wouldn't see it, you know, based on a lot of other uh, examples. I'm sure you're probably exactly right. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, since we're on class, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> class action uh, seems to be the topic right now. We'll talk about Mike Huckabee and his class action being restated, reinstated. According to Courthouse News in St. Louis, the Eighth Circuit has revived a class action, claiming presidential hopeful Mike Huckabee was part of a group that violated the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Ron and Dort Golan filed the class action in 2012 after receiving two unsolicited recorded messages on their home phone in May, stating, Liberty, this is a public survey call. We may call back later. Had the Golan's answered, they would have heard a recorded message from Huckabee conducting an anti-Hollywood survey that asked how the person felt about traditional American values. The Golan's, who were among 4 million people who received the call, claimed the survey was a guise promoting the movie The Last Ounce of Courage. They claimed that the movie promoters and Huckabee violated, it, violated the TCPA by placing robocalls and sought certification of a subclass who were on the Missouri Do Not Call list, but still received calls. A federal court dismissed the Golan's claims in 2014, finding they did not demonstrate sufficient injury to give them standing under a law designed to curb robocalls. A three-judge panel of the Eighth Circuit Court, however, reversed that decision on Monday. Judge Diana E. Murphy wrote, although the campaign appeared to survey whether recipients had traditional American values, movie promoters were more concerned with getting viewers to see the last ounce of courage, excuse me, rather than gathering information about them. The eighth circuit also reversed the ruling that the Golans were not an adequate class or were not adequate class representatives because they didn't hear the entire survey. That does exactly what you said. It's not the same problem. Because the purpose of the calls is the critical issue in the case, the Golan's were not subject to a unique defense, Murphy wrote, nor did they suffer a different injury than class members who heard the entire message. What matters for all class members, including the Golan's, is that each call was initiated for the purpose of promoting the last ounce of courage. Whether Huckabee could be held vicariously liable for the calls was left to the district court to consider. Um, But there's a great point in the difference about what you're trying to prove with your class um and it was as far as the do not call list, I don't know, you think it works?
0: <laughs> no, I don't think it does work. I've used that, that damn do not call list and I still get calls.
1: I still get calls, yeah.
0: <laughs> I think when you put your number into the do not call list, I think that more people call you.
1: You're actually you're actually entering the <laughs> call me list. Yes. <laughs> as, as with most governmental problems, it's opposite of what you think it's going That's to achieve. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, what's interesting know. about this case is a couple of things. First of all, there were no damages. And because there were no damages, the case was, was initially dismissed. And, all right, it's reinstated, but that doesn't mean that they're going to win. I still think they lose for a number of reasons. First of all, the main point, we talked about, um, you know, having a, re- a representative class member that fairly and adequately represents the class these people didn't hear the whole message so they're definitely right. out so if i were defending this class action i would move right away to dismiss these two as class representatives now what does that do well that makes the plaintiff's job much harder the attorney's job much harder because when you have a, a, a let's say you're a plaintiff's attorney and you have these mm-hmm. two people come in and say listen I want to file this lawsuit. What do you think? Here's what happened. It was an unsolicited call, and the plaintiff's attorney thinks to himself, "Kaching, because I'm going to get paid just by the settlement." Because what happens is, and and you know, this here's some tricks of the trade that that class action plaintiffs' attorneys engage in if their normal hourly rate is $300 an hour for class action purposes, a lot of them say, well, it's $500 an hour. They keep track (laughs) of their time and then they submit their bill to the court at the conclusion of the case. And they're going to make far, far more money than any of the class members. But Mm -hmm. you know, not, not just trying to trash plaintiff's class action attorneys, but that's the way it works. And so, Now you've got this plaintiff's attorney saying, crap, I just lost my two representatives. I've got to go find somebody else. Now they've got to put ads out. They've got to try to get other people if they don't have them waiting in the wings. Because when somebody sues under a class action, they don't come in with 50 of their friends, generally. It's one person. (laughs) And the attorney says, yeah, this seems to be a common problem. And we'll find the rest of the people later. That's why you receive those stupid notices. I say stupid because you're only going to get a dollar. Yeah, you, you get the notice, hey, you're may right. I got one from um, Nuance. They're a software company. Um, they make Dragon, naturally speaking, and some of the other uh, PDF programs. Mm-hmm. And my card said, if you receive the phone call during this time period, you may be entitled to recover. What am I going to recover? 50 cents? So, <laughs> But it's interesting. And then the other interesting fact in this case is they talk about a subclass. So the do not call list, they wanted to make them a subclass because those are the people that put their numbers on that do not call list. The rest of the people in the class did not. So they wanted to make a subclass of class members. And, and maybe those people would be entitled to even more damages. That's what they would allege. But the fact is that um, I don't think any of these people have damages.
1: Hmm. The we'll way and see. Yeah, like you say, there's
0: a good way out on
1: that. It's like, yeah, you didn't hear everything, but you see all the TV commercials of a day. You've had this, you've had this, and you get the letters, and yeah, they're all just kind of fishing, but uh, yep. probably yep. similar. Um, you see a lot of Kickstarter campaigns these days. Every no one has money for their dreams, so they come to you and me. Yeah. FDC says a Kickstarter. <laughs> so the Kickstarter user received donors. And this is a real issue because how many people have you have you given money to a Kickstarter?
0: No, never, uh, never.
1: I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed to where I've given money in one of these things. Um, but of course, for for entertainment purposes, I'll tell you, I, I donated to George Zimmerman's defense fund. Did you really? Yeah, <laughs> I, I gave him like ten bucks. <laughs> <laughs> We, we, we did it. It was, it was more of a stunt on the air. We, we, the radio station said, so "Yeah, I'll donate." We did it on air. So, so. <laughs> my my co-host and I were arguing about
0: his level of guilt. Anyway, And if was was the, it wasn't time, for the your federal dollars free... that guy would be in jail right now.
1: I know. I, you know. I, I feel personally <laughs> responsible, don't
0: I? Uh, <laughs> I you a successful member of his defense team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> An integral part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I hope there's not a class action. Oh, for the first time, the Federal Trade Commission has taken legal action against the creator of a board game who raised more than $120,000 through a crowdfunding site but never produced a finished product. Eric Chevalier is uh, doing business as the Forking Path Company conducted a Kickstarter campaign seeking money to produce a board game called The Doom That Came to Atlantic City. No, it had nothing to do with Donald (laughs) Trump. That had allegedly been created by two prominent board game artists. But according to a complaint filed Wednesday by the FTC, Chevalier spent most of the money raised on himself. Under the terms of the settlement filed in conjunction with the complaint, Chevalier is prohibited from continuing to receive donors and must honor requests for refunds. The agency's complaint says that when Chevalier started his Doom campaign on Kickstarter.com, he said that if he raised $35,000, backers would get certain rewards, such as a copy of the game or specially designed pewter game figurines. Chevalier raised more than $122,000 from 1,246 backers, most of whom pledged $75 or more in the hopes of getting the highly prized figurines, the complaint says. Although Chevalier repeatedly claimed he was making progress on the game, after 14 months he announced he was canceling the project and refunding his backers' money. Despite Chevalier's promises, he did not provide the rewards, nor did he provide refunds to his backers, the agency says. In fact, according to the FTC's complaint, Chevalier spent most of the money on unrelated personal expenses such as rent, moving himself to Oregon, personal equipment, and licenses for a different project. Under the settlement, Chevalier is prohibited from making misrepresentations about any crowdfunding campaign, I think most people would be, and from failing to honor stated refund policies. He's also barred from disclosing or otherwise benefiting from customers' personal information and failing to dispose of such information properly. The order also imposes a $111,793.71 judgment that will be suspended due to Chevalier's inability to pay. Full amount will full amount will be will become due immediately if he is found to have misrepresented his financial condition. The agency says. Um, yeah, you know, how many times do you think to yourself? That's pretty cool. And then you click on the ad, and it's a Kickstarter donation for a product that doesn't exist yet, and they want you, Peter J Lamont, to fork over seventy five dollars for a twenty dollar watch that tells you what your pulse is. There's, I mean, so, many, there's so many
0: interesting things here. This is this is a really this is a fun story because first of all, I'll tell you a couple stories. But before I get to those stories and the important point that I want to make, on Amazon.com, there is listed the doom that came to Atlantic City board game in stock on june eighteenth oh. for fifty five dollars and twenty five cents. Now it's it's being sold or, or advertised as being created by Cryptozoic Entertainment. And they also seem to have a bunch of other games. But there are little figurines. One of them looks like the devil. Um, the, I, it, these are crazy things. They they look like almost Dungeons and Dragons characters. Um I don't know if they're a real image or they're an artist depiction, but this seems to show a uh, Monopoly-esque board game with Demon Cards, a lighthearted game of urban destruction set in the universe of H.P. Lovecraft. So um, it apparently is listed for sale, (laughs) and if you scroll down and you look at the comments, There are um, a number, 86% five-star comments, and one of them says, original Kickstarter backer, great game with great replay value, just enough complexity for your gamer friends and enough simplicity for the casual gamer. I originally backed this product on Kickstarter, and while the project had to exchange hands, and although there was some concern on whether I would receive the final product, the game publisher made sure each Kickstarter backer Received their product, even though the Kickstarter money didn't go to them. What an amazing decision, and it goes to show that there is a lot of love in the game, so that's interesting because somebody must have taken over this project and so that's our it, guy, is
1: very interesting.
0: yeah, our guy, the f t c scoundrel who stole he has this judgment. Against him, $111,000 in change, and his board game is being sold. I wonder if there's any sort of royalty or any sort of deal that was made by the current publisher with him that's going to get him out of this judgment.
1: Well, or, or at least pay for it. Yeah, good point.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. That's, that's the question that
1: wasn't mentioned in the articles because they say whether or not he misrepresented his financial condition. Uh, oh, by the way, yeah. <laughs> but that's interesting that you immediately went to look for the game online. There it was. <laughs> there it is. Ta-da. It's available. <laughs> I don't know what these people didn't get, but <laughs> I see
0: the game. As a matter of fact. Just for fun, I'm going to put a link up to the game on com <laughs> and you can purchase it right from our site. That's how involved I am in this. I'm <laughs> trying to help this kid out. Here's, here's my, my serious-ish take on um, Kickstarter campaigns. So crowdfunding, and I've had a lot of people come into the office to ask about this question, is something that people just do not understand. They think that you could start a crowdfunding campaign to make money for yourself, not for your mm-hmm. product. And that's completely mm-hmm. not what crowdfunding is. So people will come in and they'll say, I've got this idea. I want to do it. I think it can generate a lot of revenue. But they think they're going to generate revenue from Kickstarter. What? Well, crazy talk? There are a few ways <laughs> of crowdfunding. The one way is the angel investor, the guy that just has so much money, they need a tax break, they like your cool idea, they're going to give you money. That's one. Number two, yes. (laughs) Well, maybe, but not really because those guys aren't angel investors. Those guys want equity or they want money. Oh, they want a piece of the
1: ax. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So the the pure angel investor just doesn't know what to do with their money. They like you, they're going to give it to you. He just wants his
1: money back. Sure,
0: okay. Right. Option two is an investor that wants equity. Okay. So I'm going to give you X amount of money for X percent of your business. That's the equity model. Then option three is the offer to provide your investor with something. And that something is either um, you get the first watch or you get the special limited edition. And so they're, they're going to give you the money. Like Pebble, Pebble the watch company, did this successfully. Mm-hmm. Pebble launched a very good, upfront, straightforward Kickstarter campaign, and they were allowing the investors to get their Pebble watch well before other people. Now, um, that was done the proper way. So that the Pebble model, actually, if you're if looking for crowdfunding, you should look at what they did because they did everything by the book. This guy here um, probably thought that he was going to generate revenue from Kickstarter, like the people that come into my office and ask the same question, and and kept the money for himself. So, you know, you can't do that with crowdfunding. You have an obligation, right? You're, you've you got this um, this financial responsibility when somebody is making an investment in your money or in your company – the fact that you don't know them that they're online doesn't change what happens. If if I go to Bob and say, "Hey Bob, I've got this idea. I want you to invest in my company." And he gives me the money to invest in the company and I steal it and go to Atlantic City or I go out and I buy the Doom that Came to Atlantic City board game with that money. <laughs> I've got this, you know, fiduciary duty to Bob because his money was meant not for the board game, but for the investment in the company, and it's the same thing with Kickstarter. So, if you think you're going to generate revenue for yourself on Kickstarter, and I'm not talking about through your product or service, you're just you're going the wrong direction, and you're going to get hit like our friend here did. Uh, the FTC Bandit.
1: I just looked up the Pebble Kickstarter. Yep, twenty point three million dollars they raised. Wow. You know, have you seen something? I'm I'm looking at it, and I'm not a big watch guy. I'm looking at, I think, an artist's rendition, per se, but I've not seen one in person. Is it that slick?
0: No. No, it's, oh. it's personally, right? I know because my, my son wanted one, and it was like $100, mm-hmm. and I bought it for him a couple of Christmases ago, and it just pales in comparison to what the new watches out there do. The Samsung watch... The Apple Watch, it's just a basic cool thing, but it just doesn't live up to at all what the Apple Watch can do. And so I think that as a lot of uh, products go, they're the ones that maybe launch first. They're the ones that have the idea. And then somebody else with a lot more capital is going to come in and improve upon it, make it 100 times better and then you become obsolete. I don't know. I still see Pebble being sold mm. in stores, but can't compare to mm. the other watches.
1: Interesting. They, just look, they look like gaudy watches to me. I don't know.
0: Well, you know what? If they Maybe, Pebble, maybe Pebble will modify the design and come up with things that will compete. Um, I mean, they certainly have changed the look of some of their watches. The original watches were just very plastic. Um, but... They, you're right. As far as what they raised on Kickstarter, that's the way to do it, and that's a good model to look at. Not somebody who's going to pocket the money.
1: Right. Well, just like I said, just make sure you get what you're supposed to get and pay attention. Yep. So <laughs> The thing buyer always at, at what point does it stop being buyer beware? I guess you know it's, you're buying, well, you're, you're you're over, you're, you're you're investing in, you're buying a product really most of the time. Right.
0: Just think about all those people that donated to uh, Bob and Tammy Fay Baker.
1: <laughs> yeah. Demonic <laughs> raisins, I refute you. You betcha. <laughs> yes, Saturday Night Live. Um, we'll, 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 well, we'll move towards a wrap up with probably the best story of the week. Yep. Oh. Blamed for, for the Kota Kinabalu quake, naked tourists arrested by Malaysian police. Police in Malaysia have arrested four foreigners believed to have been part of a group of tourists who stripped naked at the summit of Mount Kinabalu, according to Bernama, Malaysia's official news agency. The arrested tourists were two Canadian brothers, a Dutch woman and a British woman. Wait a second, no Americans? What? Are we losing our stupidity edge? <laughs> Age between 20 and 33, said Jalaluddin Jelal- Jel- Abdul Rahman, police commissioner in the eastern Malaysian state of Sabah. A local magistrate's court said that it would be held for four days while the obscene act that took place on the mountain was investigated. Suspects could face up to three months in jail or a fine if convicted. Now, the mountain was shaken by an earthquake Friday in which at least 16 people were killed. I'm smelling the murder rap. The indigenous people of Sabah believe the tourists' behavior on May 30th, deemed disrespectful by local culture, angered the spirit of the mountain and was relieved was the reason for the earthquake. <laughs> oh, most bad. <laughs> for now, <laughs> reported. not said police were still looking for the other tourists who stripped on the mountain. According to the picture, you can see five to ten people who are naked. But for now, only one T on that but, we have detained four of them, he said. We will continue the investigation and look for who else is involved. We won't <laughs> rest, my God. Our airplanes are dropping out of the sky, but we're more concerned about arresting naked people. And if they are still in Sabah. we will catch them. Well, we got a little update on this. Um, four people were fined and they were released. They spent three days in jail for posting those pictures. Four Westerners, wow. according to the Daily Mail. The Daily Mail, of course, more things true on the Internet. Four Westerners jailed three days for posing naked on Malaysian Mountain. So, yeah, uh, yeah you go, where were the American? I'm disappointed in American representation there. I thought, we well, know, USA, USA. Or if you've seen <laughs> Team America, you have a different war chant. Um, yeah.
0: Um, Quite a connection sure of she- people, though Canadian, yeah. Dutch, and British.
1: That's
0: <laughs> pretty nice.
1: Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they were all together. Well, you got two Canadian brothers a Dutch woman and a British woman. I don't know if they were together at first, but maybe on the (laughs) mountain. I've been to the top of the mountain. I've seen naked women.
0: Two naked guys. You know, Um. it's just so, it's so funny that, and I, I, I'm not mocking the culture, but, Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yes, you
1: are. <laughs> not, not. The, don't try to don't try to lawyer way, lawyer your way out of that one. I'm
0: making an observation,
1: <laughs> you know, a observation. I, I got this. I have this disclaimer. I got this disclaimer. I'm not mocking you, but,
0: but it's just B-U-T-G. funny to think anyway. that people still yeah. believe, you know, culturally that they believe that you've angered the the volcano god. It, it's like when the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii. And Marsha had the tiki. I
1: think it was just on Get TV. Yeah, <laughs> that was my favorite episode by far. By the way.
0: <laughs> oh, oh man!
1: Yeah, maybe continued on that one. The uh, <laughs> yeah, between I mean, you know, sadly though, <laughs> look at this, and um, not to mock religion, but the i'm sure a lot of people think the same about um major religions and the fact that people believe that when you die you go to heaven you know it's (laughs) on it's although it seems what 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 is so believable about that versus what's not believable that you're gonna pee off a mountain yeah
0: (laughs) no that's that's really actually a very good point because you're right i mean any religion, any modern religion, somebody's going to look at it and say that that just is crazy. And, you know, no. it's true. I
1: may that's have a, just channeled a, Bill Maher.
0: Yeah, that's a, a really, um, really good point. But
1: uh, They believe what they believe. And you know what? It, it just goes back to when you're in Rome, man. Do it with the Romans, right? right?
0: That's and right. If, if the
1: Romans don't go to the top of, of Mount Kin- Kinabalu and strip naked, then you probably shouldn't either.
0: Now do you think that they're going to be signage? There's going to be signage put up, you know, no uh, no naked tourists beyond this point. I mean seventeen people did die or, well, or 16 people died. I'll
1: I'll take that a step further. Naked people over here in the assigned assembly area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this if, is the naked if, viewing area. Some of the protesting protesting rules. Yes. It's not gonna be on the peak of the mountain because on the peak of the mountain you're gonna cheese out the gods. But you can go down there on that little lip right there that looks unstable and strip all you'd like.
0: That's right. And that's right in the flow of lava. So in, <laughs> in case something happens, <laughs> that's we right. have our revenge.
1: <laughs> there, may be, uh, there may be some more travel agents definitely warning people. Now, you may feel the need to disrobe when you get to the top of Mount Kinabalu, but I can warn you, don't. So <laughs> <laughs> got to always be a pioneer. Doesn't I'm sure these people probably weren't the first, though.
0: Could be naked on the mountain.
1: Yeah. Or at least the you know, you mountain.
0: Have, you have to um, look at the history of the volcanic eruption and see how many volcanic <laughs> eruptions were caused by <laughs> naked people.
1: <laughs> Try to, to compare that to the uh the uh, influx of, of, of traveler visas that are going sightseeing in Mount Kitabaloo and see if there's a pattern
0: Do Yeah, some
1: research and figure it out. That could be could be true.
0: Could be true. I don't know. Can't believe they spent three <laughs> days in jail, though. <laughs> now, I wonder if they had their their clothes um, back.
1: Well, if you've ever if you've ever stayed in a hotel in Malaysia, maybe it's not so bad.
0: I don't know. I'd be afraid. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't there, wasn't there, wasn't there the better a,
1: thing? Is yeah, police. Huh?
0: Wasn't there a movie with um, oh what, what was her name? Uh, she was from that show, My So Called Life. Uh, she's the girl that's on that Showtime um, spy show. I haven't looked this up. Where she went over, I thought it was Malaysia, and they locked her up and arrested her. What was her name? Claire Danes. Okay. Now i got to look up the movie. Yeah,
1: I, I, I hear the keys the key clicking.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway there. Not, Hold I'm not on. a big
1: movie watcher. I'm, I'm not a big oh, movie watcher. I'm just I'm just concerned that the police police need something more to do than worry about whether or not these people are naked on the mountain.
0: Crime must be well, be, be, well uh, under
1: control in Malaysia.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're a patrolman assigned to uh, patrolling the mountaintops for nakedity.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: My name is Friday. I wear a badge. <laughs> I arrest naked people on the mountain. Here we go. Uh, broke, yeah.
0: Broke down palace. Two women get arrested for smuggling Broke while vacationing power. in Thailand. Ah. It was very disturbing. They were it breaking the law. Oh, yeah, but, you know, like, I never <laughs> want to go to Thailand. Now. <laughs> At least not being a mule, anyways. That's right. I won't be in Malaysia, either, just in case I feel the need, need to disrobe. I'll be
1: a jackass all I want, but I'm not going to be a mule. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. That's all the news that was. It was. All right. Well that's gonna <laughs> right. do it.
0: Right, we had Our some, travel uh,
1: advisory. No more stripping on the mountain.
0: That's that's the for, wow. for summer purposes. I mean that's the most important thing you can take away from this show. When you go to Malaysia, keep yeah. your clothes on. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, hey, are we gonna get to the
1: mountain? Keep your pants on. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Literally. <laughs> I I just was wondering when, how long it's gonna take. No, no, we're gonna be here shortly. Just keep your pants on when we get there. <laughs> you don't want to anger the cheeky gods. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's what happened. Maybe maybe that's what caused the airplane crashes.
0: It could be. Absolutely could know.
1: be. I mean one plane never found. Mountain could have opened right. up, swallowed it.
0: It could have been ah, mountain on the
1: plane. Hulk <laughs> <laughs> smash, Mount, mountaining plane See <laughs> Monty Python taking on this one. <laughs> yeah, mountain opens up, <laughs> burp, <laughs> <laughs> and that was much rejoicing.
0: <laughs> it's like you ever, to, you ever go to a Margaritaville restaurant?
1: I have not. I've been. to Oh yeah, yeah. I did. I did hit the one in Key West. I've been told. Okay, all right. You've been told. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I've been told. <laughs>
0: there's, uh, there's I one remember Slap Joe's. Oh, that's it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> there's one in Orlando, and there's a volcano. And it, it it's kind of cool oh. because at the top of the hour, the volcano erupts, and uh, margarita mix flows down oh, oh, the oh, oh. into a giant blender. But when the mountain's done erupting, it burps. It's great. My kids love it. <laughs>
1: I'll well, put that on a list. Is there one in New York? <laughs> that's my next big trip. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm have to man, we have to go to Margaritaville. You'll love it. Shut up, get in the car. <laughs> <laughs>
0: with your clothes Cubs on, highly
1: recommended. The Burping Mountain with your clothes <laughs> on—that's right. Yes, yeah. That, that maybe that's why I don't remember being in Margaritaville in Key West. So
0: maybe there was a clothing be.
1: issue. <laughs> 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 there
0: we go. All right, that's going to do it. Before I let everybody go, I just want to remind you to tune in tomorrow, okay, 10 o'clock Eastern for Business and Legal Life Q&A. We're going to be talking to Leah Bell, the author of The Angry Grad About College and Success Myths, Student Loan Debt, and more. So if you are graduating high school and, you know, you're thinking about going to college because that graduation season's here, you're going to want to tune into this. If you're the parent of a graduate, you're going to want to tune into this. And if you are a college student now incurring debt, you're going to want to listen to this as well. So check this out. She has a book called The Angry Grad. If you go to utlradio.com, you can scroll down to special events and upcoming guests, and there is a link to purchase the book right from our site. So she's going to be on tomorrow. We're going to talk to her. We're going to get through the questions and um, talk to her about some of her ideas on um, you know, passive income and, and some really, really good information. So I'm looking forward to it, so make sure you tune in for that. Also want to just remind you to make use of utlradio.com. It's constantly being updated. We just did a major update over the weekend, and uh, there's still that Ask Your Question tab where you can ask your question and record it directly from your computer so that we can get to it during the live business and legal Q and a shows also Bob and I are formulating our new Wednesday show, which we hope will be up and running soon. That's going to be, I'm really, really excited about it. It's going to be the, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. And and we're going to call it, which I, I came up with. I think it's kind of clever. If I could reach my back, I would, it. was, it, but I can't, um, it was I do like that. Big, on a different note. And uh, what yes. we're going to do is we're going to tie in music with business and law. We're going to pick an artist or a band, one per week. We're going to spend a half hour on Wednesdays, going through talking about them, about their experience, getting people on the air. We're going to feature their music, and it's going to be really fun and entertaining. It's also going to be educational because you're going to learn – You know, you don't have to be a musician to learn from it. But if you are a musician, it's going to be even better for you. But we're going to talk about some of the business and legal experiences that these people might have found themselves in. And, um, you know, it'd just be great. It'd just be great. I mean, my first song, we should feature lawyers, guns, and money. But... uh, (laughs) I can play it
1: acoustic. Let me grab a guitar.
0: Nice.
1: That is, that is in my repertoire. Nice. <laughs> see. It's so uh, yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, uh, no one's even passed uh, uh, a couple of years back. Dave Letterman was a big fan and had had him on for the whole show. As a matter of fact, like wh- right when he was on his way down.
0: Man, well then he he's not going to be on this show. Unfortunately, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he won't be. But, um, I was talking just we'll, we'll, we'll spill a little bit. I was talking with a fellow recently who uh just celebrated an award with Keith Urban and uh, we try to get him on as well not Keith but uh the fellow that was working with him he's from Michigan as well and he has an interesting story about his life um and, uh, and but he he's a musician now and he's had a couple of small hits but uh, just recently he had got received an award with with Keith Urban for a a song they would written together so Cool. All right. Well, that was, that, be, was you know, that was, that was what I, that was what I did this weekend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's going to be really, really fun. It's going to be a lot of, of um. Yeah, it's going to be different than the other shows where we're talking more about serious topics, you know, and not that this isn't going to be serious, but we're going to be able to kind of inject into the show some, some fun because music is fun. No matter what way you slice it. I love music. Oh, I can't absolutely. function without it. So um, that's going to be a great show. That's going to be coming up. Hopefully, by the end of the month, we'll have things ready to go. We're in the process right now of getting things in order, but I'm looking forward to that. So um, we've got that coming up. Then we've got Understanding Business on Thursday. Don't forget to check out the past shows. Um, always a better idea to subscribe both to the YouTube channel and to Blog Talk Radio, or to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. But last week, we spoke to Captain Lee uh, from Bravo's hit show, Below Deck, and they're coming out with a third season. They wrapped up the filming, and that uh, show is going to be airing later this summer. But Captain Lee was on for an hour, and he answered all sorts of questions, some about business, some about um, you know his, his experience with law and, and leadership and management. He also told us uh, told us whether or not he was a Jimmy Buffett fan, which is very important to me because I am, if you haven't gathered. Um, and there's just a ton of, of information. A great, great guy. So check that out. But make sure you subscribe, and that way you know when new videos or podcasts are released. Also, thanks to our sponsor, Audible. Remember, you download your free audiobook at audibletrial.com forward slash UTL radio. That's going to do it. I will be back... Tomorrow with uh, my guest, Leah Bell, talking about student debt. Bob's going to be listening to that, preparing for when mm-hmm. his kids go to college and <laughs> uh, planning his trip to Malaysia, where he's going to streak the mountain.
1: and uh, Maybe on skis. Let me, let me ski naked.
0: Very nice. All right, that's going to do it. We'll be back, Bob and I, next Monday for another episode of Business and Legal Week in Review. And so then, remember that there's power in understanding the law.